0: My name is James Chalk, I'm Associate Director based in 2020 Trustee's Manchester office and uh, also one of 2020's restructuring team. Uh, the topic of today's discussion is the economic outlook for 2023 and key considerations for both trustees and company directors where a pension scheme sponsor is facing financial difficulties. I'm delighted to be joined today by Paul Birrell and Andy Stone of Interpath Advisory Uh, Paul and Andy, I'll hand over to you for brief introductions, then we'll start the discussion.
1: Thanks, James. So I'm Paul Birrell. I am a Managing Director in uh, Interpath Advisory. Interpath Advisory um, was born 18 months ago. Uh, out of, uh, it was KPMG's restructuring department um, and, and it is now the largest independent restructuring advisory firm in the UK, about 600 employees, various um, different uh, service lines on top of restructuring in the likes of transaction services, corporate finance, etc. Um, but in spite of that, I've been doing covenant work, which is obviously advising trustees and corporates on the pension scheme issues for 14 years now. Um, and uh, a particular focus on, on on stress and distress situations. I'll hand over to you, Andy.
2: Thanks, Paul. Yeah, my name's Andy Stone. I'm also an MD at Interpath's uh, team. I specialise in corporate restructuring. Uh, I'm an insolvency practitioner uh, by background, so that'll, I guess, come in handy with some of the topics that we're going to cover later on. Uh, and I tend to interface with Paul and also the 2020 team uh, when we've got uh, restructuring matters that involve a pension fund. OK,
0: thanks both. Um, so, f- first question: How, how do you um, see the economic outlook generally over the course of twenty twenty three?
1: Well, as I'm sure you've seen, Jay, and most of the listeners will will see, it's not uh, the brightest that we've seen in in, in recent times. So there's a, a, a an array of challenges out there. We, we've we've survived, you know, challenges in terms of Brexit, uh, the pandemic, and, and now the war on Ukraine is is coming through in various various forms and, and obviously we're most acutely aware of the inflation that is coming through uh, linked to energy prices but not just energy prices uh, that's that's part of the economic response that has led to interest rates outlook looking looking pretty grim as well um, and combined in with with obviously we've seen the, the, the strikes in the pay demands what, what we're looking at now is is it is it going to lock in for, for the long term and then how does that flow through to consumer spending and general business confidence so there's a array of challenges out there, um, and it's it's about as as bleak as it as it seems for uh, well most of my career actually. I don't know, Andy, if you want to build on that?
2: Well, well, I mean, it certainly predates our lifetimes as well, doesn't it? So every, you know, everyone on this call, you know, when when the the press are throwing stuff all that, you know. Economic um, commentators are throwing statistics at us, saying things like inflation is at a 40-year high. You know, none of us have experienced that before. We none of us have been through a business cycle or a a restructuring or a recessionary cycle that's had that kind of inflation present. Um, I mean, look, there's there's some cause, I wouldn't say it's for optimism, but things are slightly better than it maybe could have been. Or maybe we were looking at, if we been doing this podcast in, say, September or August time, I think we'd have been even more worried than we sit here today. So I think there's, you know, there's a sense that, you know, inflation is high. I think it's going to peak at about 11% in October. There's an argument that it's a little better than it could have been uh, because of the government's intervention on energy prices. So I think, the stats were running at about 15 percent before the government intervened. So there's a little bit of re- a little bit of relief there. Um, and I think interest rates next year are probably going to be a touch. Um, they're going to peak at a, a point that's a touch lower than maybe it was previously was previously anticipated. So I think the latest stats I saw was that we're, we're looking at about 4 percent by Q2 uh, Q2 next year. I think the thing that worries me is it's really easy to, see, to sit here and, and uh, you know, it's worrying, the outlook is tough, polls touched on consumer spending there, which we're obviously all worried about because we're in a very consumer-led economy or a very consumer-led society. The thing that really stuck with me though that I saw a few weeks ago uh, was some statistics around business investment. So if you think about the UK, you know, UK PLC as a whole, we should be investing in, investing in UK PLC so we can compete on a global global stage and on a global stage is going to be really important for us for getting out of recession and growing you know growing our way back into back into a recovery and the last stuff i saw was that you know investment is, is still about eight percent below the levels that it was pre-pandemic now that doesn't sound a lot in isolation but if you think about the you know the uk has got a bit of a reputation of a as a bit of a sick man in terms of gdp and in terms of output compared to the rest of the the, the rest of the developed world and if we are underperforming on a, with an investment hat on then that's only going to play through as i i think as a slower recovery from recession um and i, and I think there's there's, there's got to be some kind of recognition that you know that obviously the the, the, the last you know the, the latest governmental change is probably going to change again by the time we issue this podcast and um, there was a desire there that we've got to boost gdp and what we're not seeing now is is what is the actual plan so you know to get gdp you know boosted in the country to get investment flowing and to get a better outlook into next year i don't think we've seen any real political leadership on that yet
0: yeah no th- thanks both um there's there's clearly a lot a lot going on a lot of challenges for businesses at the moment i, I totally agree that that um under investment is is a real uh, real difficulty for for the uk um so perhaps another one for you, Andy. Are, are you starting to see um, more corporates facing real um, severe financial difficulties and, and looking to restructure? Um, and and how do you how do you see that over the next six to twelve months?
2: It, it, we're definitely seeing more activity now. Um, so we've definitely seen the volumes of administrations pick up over the last couple of months, and it does feel like it's the start of a wave of a, a recessionary or, or, or an insolvency cycle. Um, You know, the clients entering distress now, we're seeing it typically, um, you know, we see them as as being typified with pretty weak balance sheets and much less ability to deal with any bumps in the road in their performance. Um, We're seeing very limited lender options, I would say. Most most lenders we're seeing in in a lot of the the situations we're involved with are, you know, the messages that are very much full. In, in terms of their lending into a business post the difficult trading, uh, the trading periods in the pandemic with all the, you know, the C-bill and C L bill support that went into a lot of corporates. And this leaves, you know, not a lot of flexibility for borrowers, so they're also, it's making them difficult to attract any kind of equity investment into the, into a business because, you know, an equity investor looking at business at the moment is seeing, you know, a difficulty in making a return in a recessionary environment, but also very little, you know, available security to have any confidence in making that investment so I think in the next 6 to 12 months we're, we're expecting to see a you know a recovery in insolvency volumes to a level that was probably higher than what you would have seen pre-pandemic so that again we, you know we're accountants right so we love statistics but pre-pandemic we'd have said that a normal you know a normal insolvency rate was somewhere between one and one and a half percent in UK PLC obviously that elevated pretty much zero if you strip out some of the CVLs, you know, the smaller end CVLs that we've seen recently in the pandemic period. And we're expecting that to come back with a vengeance next year. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that rate pushes towards, you know, one and a half to two percent next year, which is, you know, big in the context of business failures in the UK. And then I guess, you know, one of the things we put on our list to talk about a little bit here was you know the sectors that we're seeing signs of distress. I don't know if you want to take that Paul, in terms of some of the some of the things you're seeing in the pensions world, and I'll I'll, I'll tell with what we're seeing from the from the corporate side.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, uh, I mean <laughs> there's distress everywhere at the moment. Because you you look at where the the, the challenges are, uh, and the, the the challenges are any any sector that's got obviously high energy in, inputs. and so we we are seeing um, quite a bit in 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 manufacturing. Um, from that, there's also the employees. A lot of the stress that we've seen with with our clients is, is been down to, you know, the the, the employee um, shortages going into the pandemic, uh, coming out of the pandemic today, going into this 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 crisis, has really um really hit hit hard, um, and a, a lot of the businesses just from personally viewing them. Um, not only of the struggle to fill the um vacancies but when they fill the vacancies they've filled them with people that really don't care and uh, have had really high turnover of staff. and that's led to, to 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 large service issues and 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 dips in profitability um we've also seen um particularly depending where you are in the retail cycle squeeze on from inflation because if you're sell into supermarkets they're not very good at allowing to put price increases through and, and so what we've seen with with many suppliers into the supermarkets is their margins have got squeezed beyond the point on which they can they can generate uh, cash uh, and, and service the stakeholders. So that that's also been a, an area that's been been quite tough. But I think any business um, that needs to refinance over the next 18 months as well is is could well uh, see what have been tight margins from recovery from pandemic and, and Brexit issues be eroded by the refinancing as well.
2: Mm. You can almost see it's a tickless, can't you, Paul, in terms of some of the clients that we've dealt with. We, we've seen ones that have, you know, if you're going into this kind of cycle with you know, a lot of debt on your balance sheet that's up for a refi, you know, you're going to have a shock there in terms of the interest rate that you're going to pay going forward. If you're exposed to you know, high energy use um, and uh, raw materials that may become from a, maybe a, 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 a source that's either derived in, in, in from, from oil or petrochemicals or maybe is, is linked in some way to the Ukraine. We've seen huge in, you know inflationary spikes within that. We're obviously seeing wage pressure starting to come through the economy at the moment. Um, and you, you can get into a situation where margins have been eroded very, very quickly. And as Paul said, some of the clients we're seeing, it's, it's often a really unfortunate combination. and It's those type of clients that are dependent on passing those price rises through to the consumer. And that often involves a, a middleman who... You know might not be as uh, as reactionary to those price increases as as you might hope for so yeah we're certainly seeing um you know sectors that are exposed to the consumer sectors that are in, in, exposed to those high uh, or changing input costs being really really uh, really impacted um so that leaves us you know people in retail people in food and drink people in low margin manufacturing definitely the sectors we're seeing are most distressing at the moment yeah thank
0: you yeah so it sounds like that's some um some real red flags for trustees to, to be on the lookout for um and, and as you said Andy things can I guess deteriorate quite quite quickly in in the current environment um I put mean, Paul as a covenant advisor um you know keen, keen to get your views on what trustees can and should be doing to monitor the uh, financial position of their sponsors
1: Yes, thanks, James. I, I, of course, the main thing they need to do is appoint a good adviser. <laughs> but I would say that. Uh, but you know, it, it is horses for courses. It, it should it should be proportionate and based upon you know the, the both the scheme funding position and, and the strength of the company. You need to do the right level of monitoring but it but it, it is volatile there's been businesses that one thought would, would be strong for the duration of um have of, of come on the sick list in 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 the past 12 to 18 months and so it is appropriate to monitor i mean firstly the regularity how how often as trustees do you monitor and that's that's one of the areas you need to be proportionate on uh, it's we we see quarterly six monthly and annually being the the, the most common, very rarely now is, is, well, it's not very rarely, but most schemes do more than the triennial review now. Uh, What you choose then between um, quarterly, uh, six monthly and annually, is largely down to where you are on that on that distress curve. Um, the, the, the more the more stress and distress and concern that there is, the more regularly one should be monitoring. And in, indeed, we do end up monitoring monthly on some of our cases when it's 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 getting towards uh, stress and then and actively when we're in, into the distress, it's it's often it's often a, well, it's, it's always a full full time job. But, you know, we're, we're involved at least at least weekly. Uh, what, what you then monitor does also evolve with 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 you know the, the level of distress. I mean obviously you tailor it to what the business you know does and r- reports. I mean the standard things that we look at of course is just trading, looking at the you know the sales margin EBITDA drivers into the free cash and then looking at the you know the the really the debt on the on the balance sheet. And also with a list of um transactional type areas that we ask and engage with the management to ensure none of them have happened. Um, we're normally doing that from a, from a type A perspective, um, a type A event being uh, an event that's materially detrimental to the pension scheme. So we will ask on a recurrent basis about dividends and refinancing the new security. Actually, when you're on the stress curve, though, some of those things are really important signs of stress and distress um in in terms of you know particularly the new security is is one that is 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 often a, a, a siren particularly for pension schemes because the new security is often at, at the cost of the scheme which sits there as the largest unsecured creditor so when things do get along the stress curve the, the focus of monitoring does turn more to um directly on the liquidity covenant compliance and also then looking at the, the the working capital as well. I mean you know if you if you keep an eye on that, obviously um the if the creditor days um you know stretch out uh, you know that's, that's obviously obviously an issue. Um some of the when we do monitoring, we do monitoring for lots of multi-employer schemes as well. And so we can extend that to to news feeds and and county court judgments, etc. So you do get a, a flag um, when 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 things come through. But often, when, when, by the time the county court judgments come through, um, you know there, there's 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 uh, there's the running out of time. Uh, so they're the sort of things that that we monitor. Um, as I say, it, 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 it does these it horses, of course, is and, and you definitely want to, want to use the monitoring to step up that monitoring, um, w- when things are getting more
2: distressed.
0: Yeah. Thanks Paul. Um, so we're going get, we get to move on now to talk around, um, that scenario when, a, a company has, has moved down that distress, stress, distress curve, um, and it's facing some real risk of insolvency. Um, Andy, I, I, I assume you spend a lot of your time advising businesses in that kind of scenario. Um, key, key to hear around what, what what you're saying to uh, company directors around their duties to, to creditors, the scheme and other creditors, um, and how those directors' duties um, change compared to a regular um, business-as-usual situation when there's that risk of um, insolvency? I, I, th-
2: I think the first thing I'd say, and, and consciousness is going out in a podcast, so I'm not sat in a room with a board of directors, Is is number one, make sure you speak to a lawyer. Because you should as, as a director you should be you know very visibly taking legal advice if you're in this kind of situation you're worried however i have sat in a lot of those meetings with lawyers so we'll, we'll tell you what we would talk about if we were, we were sat in the room so look in, in a normal circumstance you know what's the duty of a director so the duties you know director's got his you know, his or her fiduciary duties essentially to advance the interests of the company and that generally means to advance the interests of the employees, but, but mainly the shareholders You know, to make sure that you're doing the, the, the right job to protect and advance the interests of the company and by extension its shareholders and its investors into it. What happens in, in, a, in a scenario where a company is, is facing some challenges or is potentially at the risk of insolvency or at the risk of, of going through a restructuring, um, you, you bring in a whole other set of legislation, which is, to be honest, when you read it in, in black and white, it's, it's pretty terrifying for a lot of directors. And you're into an area under the, the UK's Insolvency Act called Wrongful Trading or Section 214 is what a lot of the directors will, will, will should be thinking about. Now, Section 214 is actually, um, it's, it's where a, a, an eventual liquidator, so if a business fails and goes into an, an insolvent, insolvent liquidation, so basically it's, it can't be rescued in, in a solvent way, there's a duty on the eventual liquidator to look at the conduct of the directors, to look at the transactions that they've been involved with. And basically the, the key test that that liquidator is looking for is that the, the test in the director's conduct to check that those directors took every step possible to prevent losses to the company's creditors and that they ought to, they knew or they ought to have known there was no reasonable prospect of avoiding that insolvent liquidation. Now, that's very black and white and it's, it's easy to say that a director should never do anything that would damage the interests of creditors. But typically what we would say if we're in the room is that practically, the directors are in what we call the red zone so they're in they're in a phase where the business might be struggling they've got uh, some some known issues and there's potential uh, that the business can't be rescued solvently or it can't be turned around in a way and um, that protects the interests of all the shareholders sorry of all the creditors but by extension the, the, the creditors and what we're looking for in that situation is that the directors have to have some confidence that the business can either be turned around or, or sold or rescued in a matter and this is the bit that's key for us in a matter that's better for the creditors than the position where they currently are. So what we're looking for in that situation is to say, look, have you done a cash flow? So can you do a cash flow at the moment to show us what's going to happen to the business over the next weeks and months as you go through whatever the plan is um, for that restructuring? And have you got confidence that as you sit here today, the actions that you're taking are in the best interest of your creditors? and are just whittling away what value they might they may have. So this is key to a lot of the work that we do you know, with, with Paul in the space, because we appreciate you know the pensions can be a big part of that. And what we're looking to achieve is whatever we do, that could be a turnaround plan, it could be a restructuring plan, which I know we, we might touch on in a few minutes, it could be or even a potentially an insolvent sale. But can you have some confidence as directors based on what you know today that pursuing that and going down that route creates a better outcome than would have otherwise been experienced if you'd stopped with a you know stopped with a, an installment liquidation straight away is that fair Paul in terms of our interactions with 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 pensions in in the context of of directors would you say
1: yeah yeah no and i'll definitely expand on that um if uh specifically obviously the, the pension scheme is often the largest unsecure creditor in these situations this pension scheme claims it's section 75 debt and is it, uh, off. It, you know that's normally unsecured. Now it's not sometimes the most like in, in in control creditor because there's there's often banks sat in front in front of the pension scheme with 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 security. Um, but yeah, very much so. The pension scheme is 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 the key is is often got a key role in this. And it's often it's important to know it's often the marginal creditor as well in this situation. In that the banks often will lend. Uh, up to the point where they think they're going to get out and full in insolvency in these situations. Um, whereas uh, they don't always get that right, uh, that equation right, but it, it means that the unsecured creditors are often just out the money when the time this thing comes to get crystallized. And so the economic interest in, in those directors' actions in, in the weeks leading up to insolvency often come straight uh, uh, directly to the pension scheme and the other unsecured creditors. But the cases we look at, the pension scheme can often be 90 percent of creditors. And so it's a really key creditor in, in, in those decisions and it's, you know, it's important for the directors uh, that they do think about, you know, the interest of the pension scheme in those situations. Yeah, th- thanks,
0: Paul. And in those situations where, where you're advising trustees, um, you know, what, what are you recommending that trustees c- can be doing to um, protect their position as, as a creditor?
1: Yeah, it's a really delicate balance. The the first thing that is important is that you're monitoring it and you you have engaged uh, at, at the right time with directors. And then often, as, as Andy alluded to, often directors don't fully understand the situation they're in. And so there's an education piece and an engagement piece with the directors about their responsibilities and, and about um, you know, the, 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 how to protect themselves and the trustees as well and make sure all the right things are done in the lead up to in, 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 any insolvency. Now, the reason why it's a delicate balance is because Actually, in that situation, often what you we will try to do is try to save the business, which is good because it saves the jobs, but also often will generate the most money for creditors because the sale of the business, uh, be it solvently or, or, or often out of an insolvency in what's called a pre-packaged administration, uh, will give deliver the best outcome. But one needs time to do that and one needs time to do it effectively. And the difficulty is, you know, directors in denial uh um, leaving themselves not enough cash flow to explore that and also the uncertainty uh over the period of time because it costs money to execute that um and and it can be with risk to the company during that period as well because the, you know it can get out of the market that there's stress and distress but it can it, it's a bit bit of a gamble it should um deliver extra value for creditors but it it might not and the really important thing is engagement and open engagement with both the trustees and 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 with the pension protection fund in particular as well and the regulator often does also get involved in 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 these situations and i say it's a delicate balance because of course the trustees would like to get as much cash as possible as much security as possible um, to protect members' benefits, but actually what that might do is shorten the time frame there is to sell the business um, and, and and typically you know we can sell bis- try and sell businesses in in a week, but typically you would like you know at least four weeks up to twelve weeks to do a, run an accelerated sale process uh, to get best interest and run a process for, for to maximize value so if this trustees come in and and say right well we want extra contributions we want security etc it might actually just close that liquidity out and 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 accelerate the situation means there's, there's a really short sale process that that destroys value And so it's very delicate situation and and, and, and it needs it needs good good advice and good engagement with the directors um, to make sure. But I say often the pension scheme will have the most active economic interest in how things play out. And so we often trustees I do get very active roles in making sure it's done in the right way. Thanks, Paul. Um, Final one then.
0: i think it's a question for both of you so andy the um the, the corporate Insolvency and governance act came into mm-hmm. force a couple of years ago now and introduced some new um arguably i guess more flexible restructuring procedures uh, i wonder if you could just mm-hmm. kind of briefly run through those and then paul from a pension k- scheme perspective um keen to, to hear your views on on whether they've been used to compromise pension scheme liabilities and is how they may be um,
2: looked at to compromise pension schemes in the future. Sure. Sure. So, so I'd, I'd probably say there's, there's there's three main themes in that new legisl- legislation to be aware of. Um, one is around restructuring plans, which I'll come back to you, because I think that's the one that's the most relevant for this conversation. There's some enhanced uh, moratorium provisions, which, to be honest, we've not really seen been used that much because they are, in some respect, in some respects, predicated on being able to exit the moratorium as a going concern, which we think is a really high bar for any IP to sign up to because you're there for a reason. And generally when you enter a moratorium, it's because there's a a period of uncertainty and you don't know how you're going to come out the other end. So we've not seen a lot of use of that moratorium yet. And then the final bit that was brought in was something we uh, locally call kind of ipso facto provisions, where effectively that is a way of um, a business that's in insolvency or a business that's in distress, uh, being able to force its suppliers effectively to continue to supply services or goods and it's designed to stop people holding insolvent entities to blackmail and um, thereby improving their own returns as opposed to the wider the wider credit base particularly relevant to, to pension schemes though the bit I think we should focus on here is, is the new restructuring plan um, system that's been, been 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 set up now this comes with a little bit of a health warning because it's not been tested extensively uh, through the through the UK legal system yet. And it's going to be some legislation that's going to be very much dependent on um, the development of case law. Uh, so every time one of these goes through the court system, um, you'll see all the legal and, and, and accounting community kind of watching it with, with interest to see, okay, well, it's, it's gone in in this form, uh, what, you know, how's this going to exit the court system and how's this going to work in, in real life? Now, effectively a restructuring plan is where a company um, formally arranged with its creditors or some of the other stakeholders, a plan um, that allows it to reschedule its debt or inject new capital so it can come out the other end as a going concern. And, and what the what the provisions in the in the new legislation are around is it allows you to, uh, what's, um, and I'll get this wrong when I say, it, a cross-class cram-down procedure where effectively you can use the court to say to, a, to, say to creditors, look, you're not being treated any worse here than you would in the next available restructuring option, which is often a liquidation or a, or a shutdown liquidation sale. So therefore we're going to adjust your claim or adjust your position in the business down by a certain percent because you know, worse off than you would be in, in the other alternative. Now we've not like say, we've not seen a huge amount of evidence about this. Um, we've seen it happen recently to HMRC. So there's a, a case that's just gone through where that was done to HMRC. Despite them having a preferential position, they didn't really engage with it. To be honest, in terms of in, in the core systems, they probably didn't play it um, in a way that they would play it again. I think if it was taken to court. But what we're, what we're expecting to happen, but we've not seen it yet, is that someone could use one of these plans um, to go and have a look at, okay, well, where, where what are we going to do to the, the pension scheme uh, within this? And that's where it gets quite messy because the, the aims of the restructuring plan legislation are quite different to the aims of, of the, the PPF um, in, in their kind of interactions with a, with a with a rescue or restructuring plan. And um, Paul, I think when we talked about this previously, there's there's some there's some quite clear guidelines from the PPF, isn't there, in terms of how they're gonna how they're gonna look at any restructuring plan.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, they they've already got the uh, guidance for uh, the restructuring practitioners and how they approach and um, what we call as BPF compromises. Uh, regulated apportionment arrangements is normally the form at which it goes through. Sometimes it goes through uh, via company voluntary arrangements as well. And they they've they've been very clear that they will you know want to stick to those principles the restructuring plan does give a mechanism by which you know they, they, they could be um um divergence from the I, I, ideal principles and you know the communication from the ppf is that, that they would not look uh, uh likely look fondly at uh at any divergence from them i mean just to remind that the, the, the key criteria is is they expect a better return from an, than they would otherwise get an insolvency. Uh, they expect an equity stake which is often an anti-embarrassment equity stake is often one of the one of the, the difficult elements um that you know um parties would like to avoid because it complicates things hugely um in, in, in terms of the restructure but yeah the the, the Ppf has has been mm, clear. in in its position, but uh, we're not aware it's being tested yet. We have um, executed, I mean, they were very quiet doing any compromises for a long period of time. We have executed a couple of compromises in in, in the past couple of years, so they are open for business. And one might imagine the opportunities and conditions for more compromises to occur um, are going to increase over the coming period. The extent to which one can do that through a uh, restructuring plan, though, is uncertain. And um, it'd be an interesting challenge for the first advisor to try and um, cram the pension scheme down without giving it its equity stake, for example.
0: Yeah, and and indeed for the first um, set of trustees who uh, might be having their pension scheme crammed down. So um, yeah, I think watch watch this space, Uh, be interesting to see if anybody does look to um, test that over the next 12 months or so. Um, right, in, in the interest of time, I think we'll need to wrap up there. Um, fantastic discussion. Thank you very much, uh, both Andy and Paul, for joining me. Um, just quick one to the listeners. Thank you for, for joining. Please do like, share and subscribe to the Expert View podcast. Next episode we, will be available shortly. Thank you.